Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I just don't really understand why more fairy tales don't have like lesbian parts. Like why isn't there not a Snow White thing where you like open up the lid of her coffin and it's a princess and to wake her up. She's got to eat her out. Kind of a kind of a hot <laughs> thing there. People can't handle it. There's a uh, there's a gay character in the new Beauty and the Beast, which is literally a story about a woman having sex with a human buffalo, <laughs> and the people are upset that there's a gay character in it. Friends with Gaston. The, the nerdy one from Harry Potter is getting gay by a, a buffalo man, and we're upset because Gaston wants to get kissed on by a tiny fat. Oh no! <laughs> All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey. hey. And uh, fans have commented how we've always introduced you as a guest, Henry. And so <laughs> I know with us, like, I'm special guest. It's nice though, because it kind of make it boosts my confidence. That's, all right, it allows me to be more free. That's good. I'm very happy that your confidence is boosted. Um, all right. Well, speaking of, I guess boosting of confidence, oh, L. Yeah. Ron Hubbard's confidence is growing. We're on to part three of uh, the strange and wild life of L. Ron Hubbard. Can I make a thesis statement up top? Can you give me a bit of a grad a grad student moment? Sure. Okay. Now, I think what's important about covering L. Ron Hubbard specifically in the Scientology story, we're going to be covering a little bit of Scientology today. If you really want to know about it, you spend the fucking hours of research. Because I have tried to read several L. Ron Hubbard books and going through the tone scale and going through auditing and all the fucking PTS and all that bullshit, right? It's, it's, it's inanity. It hurts your brain. Yeah. But – when I have watched documentaries, specifically the Leah Remini story and Jason Begay, both actors that came out publicly against Scientology after being in it for years, right? they all have the same problem. They can't speak badly of L. Ron Hubbard. They hate David Miscavige. Right. They hate what the brainwashing has done to them and the idea of disconnection. But they still have a hard time in saying that L. Ron Hubbard was anything but a Jesus figure. Um, but what we're trying to do here is show that he's just a flip-floppy – fucking soft-bodied man yeah. who made up bullshit into becoming a millionaire. Absolutely. And they bought it. 
You know, it's very, I mean, that is so interesting with the cult. Even the people who are now SPs that have left the cult, they still can't do it either. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how strong this indoctrination is. Uh, we were at the Scientology tent at the Salt Lake City Comic Con, which was amazing, well, by the way. Well, it was technically the L. Ron Hubbard tent. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And it was really fascinating to see those individuals in real life after we've been uh, talking about them for all these weeks. The woman was dead-eyed. I, they did give us free buttons, yeah, they which did. were cool. Yeah. And the interesting thing was, Marcus, uh, we were there, and how they were trying to entice the kids was a they wanted us to sign up for a free science fiction uh, cha- uh, uh challenge yeah it was a uh, an author it was a writing contest that you know people that were aspiring sci-fi writers could enter and possibly gain fame and fortune from and they right. also gave us a little booklet that ha- was a catalog of every l ron hubbard book ever written they even had buckskin brigades in there uh, they're not <laughs> even ashamed of buckskin brigades they love buckskin brigades they brigades. love buckskin brigades also the beginning of l ron hubbard uh, science of Humanity with Science of Survival, which is going to eventually be the, the backbone of Scientology. Thanks, Commander Snake Johnson. It's, <laughs> it, it thanks him in it, too. It's full of shit. whole thing's full of shit. But I just want to remember because it's like we never got to meet Jesus if Jesus was real, right. right? We never got to meet Muhammad if Muhammad was real. But the thing is, we have actual documents on L. Ron Hubbard. Mm. We know he was full of shit. Yeah. And this is the story of that trail of shit. Like a diaper's been split open by a razor which is a bad thing to do to a child. <laughs> Absolutely, and a diaper. <laughs> now, when we last left Elron, he had landed in Wichita, Kansas from Elizabeth, New Jersey under the care of a millionaire real estate developer and true believer of Dianetics named Don Purcell. Also remember, he paid to fly Elron Hubbard from Cuba. He's been sitting in Cuba for like two months with uh, Richard DeMille, who is Cecil B. DeMille's like grandson who became like his like couture, like his fucking little assistant. And apparently, Apparently, he would go to Ron's door and knock on it because he was the only one who had access to him. And Ron would open it with a glass. Uh, he'd open it with a forty-five. He brought a gun with him huh. to Cuba, which you could do back in the day because it was easier. Because you could just wear a gun and like basically airport security was like, nice gun. And he'd be like, <laughs> right. thank you. And then he went and um, he'd answer the door and he's like, never sneak up on me, dick. You don't know what I'll do. That's kind of cool, though. That's the coolest story we've heard so far of Elrod. He's living like Hunter S. Thompson. See, shit had gone south in Elizabeth, New Jersey, where they had started the first Dianetic Center. That shit had gone south real fast, as Hubbard was terrible with money, and he was looking for a bit of a do-over. He founded the Hubbard Dianetic Foundation of Wichita, and Purcell was expected to pay for the whole goddamn thing without question. Hmm. And through the HDF of W... Hubbard published his second book under the Dianetics banner, Science of Survival. And oh God! <laughs> so no, this is this is a this is an actual brick and mortar institution, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He said he's starting. To, this is the beginning of him setting up little Dianetics foundations and eventually Scientology foundations all over the world. He learned that this is how you spread it. It's basically you create franchises. Yeah. He, right. he flipped it like McDonald's where it's like now you can run your own branch of Scientology but then he has to come and check up on every, every once in a while and he has to send his like super loyal acolytes. Now this right. fucking idiot Purcell is just hemorrhaging money because he's pulling a real fucking chips and JoJo going out there and he's covering these fucking these these new buildings of Wichita with all of the, 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 the shiplap that he could find and they got new pergolas. Everything's looking real nice and ship shape real fixer upper style 
Yeah. Right. Now, Science of Survival, which continued the trend of each book being more indecipherable than the last, focused quite a bit on the tone scale. Ooh. Oh, what's no, that? Marcus. <laughs> not, not MJP, no. Not the tone scale. I love the tone scale. <laughs> HTZ, don't come at me with that, all right? Um, I don't know what to tell you, MJP, all right? Because it comes down to the breakdown of the tone scale is one of the most inherently important factions of Scientology. And if we mess this up, no one's going to be clear. Oh, We're not wow. getting any wins today. Oh, there no. no wins for any of our listeners if they can't understand the tone scale. Oh, no man. wins, no gains. Well, they'll understand the tone scale, Marcus. You know how to you know how to teach them. <laughs> now, the tone scale is as far as I can interpret because this shit is extremely difficult to understand, which is the whole point. Tone scale is a meter of different states of physical and emotional being ranked from forty. Uh huh. To negative 40. Ooh. And that, those are big numbers. Those are huge That's numbers. 80 numbers. Yeah. Those are numbers. <laughs> That's kind um, of fun because... because Remember this. He is now, what he did was he took Dianetics and he blew it out, right? But Dianetics started with four zones and that you have to go up the four zones. He's now made 80 different zones. So you're just getting more for your money. You know what I mean? You're you're making money now buying in because he's increased, <laughs> he increased the amounts of zones. Also, he's increased the, amount, the, increased the amounts of tenants from there were originally four tenants of Dianetics to now with the uh, Science of Survival, there's now eight tenants of Scientology, which is what they're going to be drilled on for the rest of their life and this is how you make oodles and oodles and oodles of money i mean every single time there's something new yep. and it always improves upon if not outright changes what came before it's actually very similar to what colleges do nowadays yeah there are so many damn classes you really only need four science math english <laughs> and uh in elective but now they have I've everything always, you want i've always said school is a scam it is kind <laughs> of a think- scam now the bottom of the tone scale is total failure that's number that's negative 40. Between, and that's worse than death. Yeah. Between negative 40 and zero, you've got states like sacrifice at Ooh. negative six, hiding at negative eight. Wait, hold on. What's hiding? It's hiding. Just hiding? <laughs> just what like I'm it? just like a kid and be like, my dad's coming home in five minutes. I'm going to hide in the car. I'm going to hide in the trunk of the car. And then it turns out your dad's drunk and he wants to drive. Next thing you know, you're getting rear-ended and you're dead in the trunk of your dad's car because all you wanted to do was hide. And now you're a negative eight. That's why it's a negative a, eight. I see. Yeah, and that's a scene. That, that's, that's a sin. You need that. All right. You need to confess those sins. You yeah. need to do an o, you need an OW write-up, my friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> then you've got needing bodies owning bodies and controlling bodies that's negative four negative three and negative 1.5 remember this because bodies are bad in scientology okay your body is just a big sloppy hairy vessel horny hard little fucking like bearded vessel yeah you don't and want it, it no you don't want it you don't want what your bacony smelling like my pubes too long kind of body like you want to free that you want to crack that open so your theta can get out no I understand what you're talking about regarding like your body and my body and most of Marcus's body but what if you're like <laughs> the rock or like you know John Cena like you have a still good, a bad body that's a bad that's, a that's bad still body. a bad body still a bad body yeah. because you've also got blame shame and pity that's negative one, negative 0.2, oh and negative 0.1. By the way, I just That's- had a great revelation. John Cena, what's his catchphrase? You can't see me. He's hiding. <laughs> he's a negative eight, and he's got a great body. He's probably a negative 11. He's an SP. He's an, an SP. SP right there. But he's a positive person to the naked eye, but in reality, he's an SP. Suppressive an SP. personality. can't see me. Wow. The 0.0 is body death, which implies that feeling pity is somehow worse than death itself. Hmm. Body death is just kind of put in there yeah. at a zero. <laughs> and it seems like he started at a zero and then he started figuring out, 
I think we really need some negatives in here to really right. push the fact that it's negative. And they're like, all right, you love numbers. I Just it. write your fake ass numbers. <laughs> now, apathy, grief, propitiation, despair, fear, and anxiety are also a bit better, but still worse than the most common state, covert hostility, which is 1.1. Okay. Or 1-1. One, one. Now, it's very common to call people a 1-1. If someone's gone 1-1, it means that they are a uh, – they they're bad. And they, they – it's the – because what's the – the covert hostility, technically what it means is that it's somebody they can smile at you and then stab you in the back. And okay. it's the most distrustworthy it's – a, it's a terrible person. But this is not a negative. We're, we are in the positives here. We're, we're still – technically. technically, we're in the positive. But it's we're still all, negative. We're also gay. You're gay. You're also, <laughs> all three of us gay. are gay? No, that's what 1.1 is. 1.1, covert so, hostility, is also the level that homosexuals sit at, and this is where the gay cure of Scientology comes in. And I love that we include this. No one realizes Scientology is extremely homophobic. Extremely. Extremely, homoph- uh, homophobic. extremely. But it is interesting with the negatives be- uh, being, uh, wor- or being better than death mm-hmm. uh, or being worse than death, you yeah. know, because that does lead to that mentality of if you leave when, and then when, when people talk about leaving the cult, it being a suicide. Yeah. Also the back of this, you got to remember what we, we're, we're going to get to is that we're including past lives. When it comes to like the negative realms, you have to take hours of courses to understand that that is the commultative Engrams of, of billions of lives you've you're led. Getting, we'll you're get- getting way ahead of yourself here. We got. <laughs> this is, by the way, I said Marcus was going to explain everything. I am very confused, but I'm getting it. So you're getting negatives- it. We can't. We cannot bring past lives into it just yet. Okay, we've, good. We've got to understand the tone me. scale. I first. am I have billion years in the past right now. I'm sorry. I had a bunch of that Trader Joe's coffee concentrate. Natalie explained to me after I've already had two full cups of it that it's supposed to be watered down. Yes, I learned that hard. Lesson as well the other day. I was up for about uh, thirty hours straight. <laughs> I am a human drum solo right now. Like I, I am the song Wipeout. All right, so we Currently. got the negatives. Zero being yeah. the death. We're at a one one, and this is uh, homosexuality. Yeah, I we're guess. at one one because uh, yeah, I don't really know how homosexuality is considered covert hostility, but this is still where they put gay people. And where the gay cure comes in is that if you are able to move up the tone scale past one point one. Not gay anymore. This is Michelle uh, Bachman, Marcus Bachman, gay conversion therapy. Yeah, this is like yeah, very and Republican and very evangelical Christian in a way. Very much so. Well, yeah, and because a one point two is called still desperately hungry for cock <laughs> because it, like that's just where you are because they get you up because you, no matter what you do, no matter how clear you are, you're still going to be a, a homosexual person because you're born that way. You can't change it. There's right. no there's no yelling at an ashtray that is going to fix. Yeah. Wanting to make love to the person that you love. What if you'd be like, be a dick, <laughs> be a human penis. You could turn anything dick. into a penis if you put it inside yourself. I guess but then so. chaos magically, you've made it a penis. I see. So, um, but you're also the in science of uh, in science of survival. He specifically states really quickly because I try to read this. Uh, he states really quickly that if anybody is under a 2.0 uh, on the tone scale, they uh, deserve no civil rights and should be immediately destroyed. This is a man that Hollywood, the supposed liberal elites in Hollywood, have 
fallen in love with. He is the deity of the left in Hollywood, and this is the truth behind what uh, he actually thinks. I wouldn't say he's the deity of the left oh, in absolutely. Hollywood. I'd say he's the Tom deity Cru- of, like, John Travolta. And who is the deity of Hollywood if not, uh, you know... <laughs> who tra- is the Peter of Hollywood John Travolta. if not John Travolta? Tom Cruise and John Travolta were the two biggest names in Hollywood for decades and decades, and oh, L. Ron not- Hubbard was the god. Yeah, but not anymore. Now John Travolta is perennially made fun of for his hairpiece. He's slathered with cum because he's just <laughs> let the guards off because he's just having sex with every masseuse and pilot he could get his grippers on, which I think he should. He should. John sure. Tross should be himself. We've said that on page seven thousands of times. Well, he did very well in the O.J. Simpson documentary. Yes, he absolutely did. did. So if you're moving up the tone scale, you go from covert hostility, then you go through states like boredom, Disinterested, mild interest, cheerfulness, action, games, and postulates. What does that mean? What does postulates mean? Because he even says this in a footnote in Dianetics. Sometimes I'm going to verb, like before he, anybody understands what he's doing, he's like, I'm going to verb noun sometimes. And now this is an uncommon practice, but I use it in order to for, to more elucidate my points by just, essentially just makes up words. He does. And says it means, he says words mean other things than they're supposed to mean, which is a central tenet of fascist thought, right? Because it's destroying your concept of reality yeah, immediately. Truth, yeah. And it's a part, it's a hypnotic suggestion. Also, there's another whole concept called stacked realities that he uses, which is specifically confusing jargon and then hides messages in it. It's a hypnotic yeah. suggestion. And bullshit what, when you walk into a room and he's like, this is where we have all the bunk beds. This is where you'll be sleeping. And it's nothing but canoes. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Like, no, that's a bed. I promise you that's not a rowing boat. <laughs> so after you get to the highest state of the tone scale, up at 40, you have reached the serenity of beingness. Ooh, that does sound fun. And apparently with serenity of beingness, it means you can tell something, someone to do something and you can make someone do something against their own personal will and against their own personal sense of, of propriety. Like, and so in the end, the very top level of Scientology that you're supposed to read is being able to go up to someone and be like, tie your shoes. All right. Untie your shoes. All right. Make love to me, and then right. it's like, and that's that's basically what they want. Well, they so, call it tone forty, uh, and then and that's also supposed yeah. to be something that auditors are able to reach if they used and they they use tone forty as like a verb. You've tone forty someone, and so this basically allows you to be a total asshole, a total manipulative prick, and not feel bad about it yeah. because you're yes. at level forty. Well, yeah, because then everybody else around you is a wog, right? Which, which a term is uh, for us, the people that are inherently suppressive. We are wog, which stands for worthy oriental gentleman, which is a <laughs> naval term. That is true. It's a naval term for people who hadn't crossed like certain meridians, and so was, and then they became something called like steelbacks, something fucking retarded. Ooh. But the uh, the wogs are bad. Wogs sound yeah. kind of fun though, like a wombat dog. It's, it's a it's a racial slur in the UK. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I apologize <laughs> to my friends oh, oh, quite, overseas. Quite a, quite an intense racial slur. We L. Ron Hubbard said it. <laughs> We're not saying it. It's his word. Now all of this shit is made confusing on purpose by setting these arbitrary states that sound good but don't really mean anything. Hubbard is setting himself and his organization up as gatekeepers that are the only ones that can help you decipher all of this it's like the upright citizens brigade it, it, that improv. theater school improv. oh like improv improv it, school yeah, yeah it's like it improv is. yeah 
Well, I mean, it is a situation where it's like a city planner is just like, we're going to make the lights all weird and the streets all wrong, and then we're the only place that's going to sell maps. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that's really what it is. You just yeah. mess up everything and be like, what? You got to come to us for answers. It, it's very also, simple. Mm-hmm. It goes to the very beginning of the fucking Christian church when they started printing the Bibles in Latin because they knew that people could not read Latin. You needed to have a priest tell you what the Bible was saying. Oh. It's all about control yeah. of information. It's a cult thought. It's, a, it's, it's isolating people, specifically making making them feel stupid and that the only way that you can get fucking woes and up hashtag woke is to listen to fucking my ass. It's kind of gaslighting in a way as well. Yeah. So after the publication of science of survival and the establishment of the HDFW, pilgrims started making their way to Kansas. And one of those pilgrims was a pretty little teenager from Texas named Mary Sue Whip. I like her. Yeah, she sounds like a fucking Russ Meyer character. She does. They call me Whip because I don't wear pants, just many whips on top of my shoes. It's kind of fun. But Mary Sue Whip is actually like, she wasn't that, it's not that she was that attractive, but she was a uh, true believer immediately, like diehard. Yeah, she was and 19 LRH, when she showed up. Yeah. And no, she showed up in the home where L. Ron Hubbard was staying. She showed up in Wichita, Kansas at the uh, Wichita, what is it called? The Hubbard Dianetics Foundation. And so this had already reached Texas where mm-hmm. she was. And this is before the Internet, obviously. So this must have been a fairly large uh, operation already. This is like 1951. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, Dianetics had made its way all the way across the nation. It was the number one bestseller. They're popping up all over the country. Right. So, yeah, it's enough to reach a 19 year old girl in Texas and inspire her to travel to Wichita, Kansas. The future home of BTK. For the man who is literally an orange jack-o'-lantern man with a captain's hat on. (laughs) That you show up and you just think is the hottest, most interesting, charismatic man in the world, which just shows the power of just talking well. Mm -hmm. Like, if you could talk good and make good words, you can get Lizade. 24-7. 24-7. Also, yeah, it just confuse them and have some have people look to you for answers mm-hmm. and you being the prize they seek. So Hubbard took a shine to little Mary Sue almost immediately and, when a, and within a few weeks, the newly divorced burgeoning cult leader had a brand new chickie to warm his bed. And the two would be married soon afterwards and she would stay by his side throughout his life right up until her loyalty landed her in prison, wow. which we'll cover in part four. Do you mind if I pour myself into you? (laughs) Excellent. You're my little vase. My sweet little vase. Mm, The flowers are the dookie. This is different than I expected it to be, but... Excellent. So do you mean better or worse? It's worse, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it's bad. Now it's good. Oh! But despite the influx of believers, things weren't going any better in Wichita than they were in New Jersey. See, Don Purcell, the man foot in the bill, had been at odds with Hubbard from the moment he arrived, as Hubbard had brought along a brand new angle to Dianetics that Purcell didn't jibe with, past lives. Hmm. Now, as we discussed on the last episode, when a person was audited, they would travel back on their time track, sometimes going as far back as conception to look for Ingrams. But some people were starting to go even further past conception into lives lived before, and Elrond rolled with it 
perfectly. Wouldn't you just well, go they're... into your father's ball sack <laughs> and then have to navigate that world oh, like Martin God, Short? I'm, to... I'm in. I'm in my father's nutsack. Uh, We're listening to Rush. Uh, driving around in his '74 Duster. I can uh, smell his jeans. Uh, Get me. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. He's drinking and driving and everyone's uh, laughing about it. They think it's just relaxing. I think we're about to pick bad. up my mother. Uh. Oh, God. I'm slapping against my mother's bottom part uh, of her vagina. <laughs> so how was your experience in auditing? Refreshing. Good, good. Refreshing. I feel good. Um, but also think about this because people were in the auditing session we're just making shit up. Yeah. Right? So you're forced to come up with shit all the time. You're right. auditing. So you're making shit up. So what L. Ron Hubbard does is he automatically knows that you're making shit up in these auditing sessions. Right? So he then flips it for you and says, no, you're not actually making shit up. I'm going to make you feel better about your own lies and tell you you're making up past lives. And they're like, whoa, I am. Because now they're fucking thousands of dollars deep. Yeah, they're, oh, there are a lot of money in at this point. It, and going back to what you were talking about with UCB, this is Del Close, this is Improv 101. Say yes. Uh, yes, and. <laughs> That's what I do when I read a menu. Oh, I say, I'll have the chimichanga, yes, and the bean burrito. <laughs> so you mean to tell me I only have to spend about $3,500 to be on an improv team with a bunch of other admins and a couple people who are convinced they'll be on Saturday Night Live called Mission Improvable? <laughs> That's correct. That's a- that's incredible. Yeah. So now if you just take your wheelchair over here, uh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> See, this is how this is how L. Ron magically turned these past lives into cold, hard cash. See, with a new life came a whole new set of Ingrams, and it expanded the process almost towards infinity. He even got into the game himself. One day, he showed up at a lecture with a considerable limp. And when people asked what had happened, he said that during an audit session, he had traveled on his genetic time track to a Civil War battle in which he had been wounded, but he hadn't had time to finish running the whole scenario, hence the limp. And that's called, uh, you, you can't, uh, oh, oh, what's the term? It's, uh, you didn't finish your uh, cause of action. What's what's the, god damn it. Oh, there's so many Scientology terms. What's the <laughs> Scientology term? He didn't, he didn't finish action. running the scenario. He didn't, yeah, yeah, running, yeah, running the reality, and he'd fucking, it's like him coming and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't wear a shirt today. Um, I, I at one point about four billion years ago, I was a cute little Pomeranian, and man, those puppies were just hungry, and my nipples are unbelievably sore. Yeah. I was chock full of milk. Cute Pomeranian, though, I'm sure. Yes. I wish I could go back to the days of being full of milk. Can you imagine the money I'd save on milk? Mm-hmm. Martin Innerspace. Martin Short in Innerspace. I love, love that. No, can you just explain really quick Ingrams? Ingrams, yeah. Ingrams are marks that are left on your uh, brain that keep you from being a happy person. Ingrams are marks left on your brain in your reactive mind that are keep that are keeping you from becoming a fully and totally realized person. And so mm-hmm. once you are able to identify the Ingrams that are in your reactive mind, you can refile those Ingrams in your analytical mind and delete them as if your brain was a computer. That is exactly where L. Ron Hubbard is right now with this stuff. All right. The pain doesn't hurt you. And now that you've had past lives to it, 
Now you not only do you have to get rid of your Ingrams in this life, is that you got to go back and get rid of them in each one of your past life as well, which creates the endless flow of money coming in. And meanwhile, Purcell is sitting around being like, "This was just supposed to be kind of like therapy," mm-hmm. and he's just like, "I don't really understand. I, I I was not a knight at the round table, even though I'm having <laughs> images of it. But mostly, I just think it's because I went to medieval times one time and I loved it, and I had many dreams about it because my section won, and it was really nice to." feel the validation to be a part of a winning crowd. I can't wait to go to medieval times. Oh, this one out in New Jersey. I'm going. See, and... (laughs) And Purcell was also starting to get tired of Hubbard because Hubbard was starting to fuck with Purcell uh, because L. Ron Hubbard was starting to do some kind of, he was starting to do weird, like almost faith healing type shit right. where he would tell everyone in the audience like, okay, everyone in this audience, you don't need your glasses anymore. Leave your glasses at the door in this bowl and you will not need glasses anymore. And Purcell was blind as a fucking bat. Yep. So he goes, he takes off his glasses, he puts them in the bowl and he has, he's fumbling out of the room because he can't see anything and L. Ron Hubbard is sitting there laughing at him. Uh, there's also a very famous televangelist, Benny Hinn. Mm-hmm. He used to do a very similar thing and he would t- he would whip people's canes out from underneath them and he got multiple lawsuits because those people needed those canes <laughs> and their knees were all detached. They would go to the hospital and be like, what did you do to your knee? Be like, he took my cane uh, and he got sued. Well, they only need those canes because they're PTSs and they're connected to some form of SP. I think it's because they have a football fault. injury. But what a good way to fuck with a group of nerds and tell them they don't need their glasses anymore. Because you could totally do that in high school right now. Like if in your school right now and there's a kid with glasses and you're remotely either a cool dude or a hot woman, you can be like, you don't need your glasses anymore. You're like, I don't. I'm pretty sure I I need them. Like I'm I'm pretty certain. You don't need your glasses anymore. <laughs> All right, all right. So can we maybe go get a soda pop? Do people still do that? Hey, where'd you go? Hey! Oh God! Oh God! I'm in a world of clowns. That's kind of fun, though. I always like it when I lose a contact. You can make anybody's face to be what you want it to be. But Hubbard, before he could turn all that past lives bullshit and all this faith healing bullshit into his ultimate money-making scheme, Scientology, he had to settle present debts as a court had ruled that the HDFW was ultimately responsible for the debts of the Elizabeth, New Jersey branch of Dianetics. And Purcell Mm. felt that the only course of action was bankruptcy because at the end of the day, even though Purcell was a big believer in Dianetics, he was also still a businessman. Uh, He thought, all right, Bankruptcy, we declare a bankruptcy, we have a do-over, it's totally fine. Hubbard, though, he refused to do that because he saw it as admitting failure. You know, it's very interesting. This country is, a, it's rare, the bankruptcy is unique to America in a lot of ways. Germany doesn't have it, for example. And it, it is sort of like, uh, erase my debts, erase my debts. Uh, and then the, they can just be like, bankruptcy. We have that in this country. You don't actually have to like be yeah. a magician. You just <laughs> have to file paperwork and you can erase all of your debts. It doesn't have to be magical. Because- Money is fake. Yeah. Because the part of that weird money is fake thing that you kind of like forget after a while being like debt's just a number on a computer screen and they just have us hostage to that, which is why capitalism works, right? That's the whole point is that you're supposed to go make more money and have your back against the wall all the time. So you want to make more money and then you're just constantly working and you can never fucking just where you were just a bunch of worker bees. Well, money is funneling money back. 
Money da, is, comrade. Yeah. Da. No, my money is very real. Very real. One could argue it greatly improves your life. No, no, money is fake. Give us your money. You don't need your money. Give us your money via Patreon. It's patreon.com slash last podcast to the left. You don't need your money. For those that don't see, Henry is waving his hand above, in front of the camera. So hopefully I'm that can be... I'm you. Oh, wow. Just give us your money. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively, but BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the, they love what BarkBox brings because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, 
I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So in this whole bankruptcy fight, Hubbard was outvoted, bankruptcy was declared, Hubbard resigned and established the Hubbard College on the other side of town, still in Wichita, Kansas. Hmm. And Hubbard College would be the birthplace of what would become the centerpiece of Scientological belief, the E-meter. Now, the E-meter, still in use today, is a metal box operated by the auditor with a lighted dial, adjustment knobs to fiddle around with, and a wire connected to two cans that the person being audited would hold. The it's auditor, essentially a lie detector. Yeah, it, it yeah, has but, the same technology as a lie detector. But the, way defunct. I mean, it's not. it doesn't actually indicate if you're lying or not. It doesn't, it's not accurate. It does give, it does give readings. That is true. <laughs> it gives readings. There is a dial on it, and it okay. does a few things with the, with the dial on the, it. The dial true. does jump at certain points. See, the auditor would then ask questions relevant to whatever level the auditee was currently on and interpret the reactions. And the e-meter did, in fact, read reactions. It's Yeah, it's like Henry said. It's very similar to a lie detector test. It's like galvanic some other bullshit. Yeah, but lie detectors also do your blood pressure and your heart rate and all of that shit, so it adds extra th- dimensions to it. But the e-meter just like kind of spikes, and the goal you're getting for you want a floating needle. Like it right. spikes every time you have some sort of emotional reaction, where it'll bump to the other side, and then you want to get it where you remembered something so much and you've cleared it. Right, where so you've sat in it and you no longer have any emotions attached to the energy to that memory anymore, so it just hovers. So you sort of want it to be like a perfect dick pic on Grinder. You, you don't want a real <laughs> yes. rock hard. You don't want a real. You don't softy. want a rock hard one because no. that's too committed. That's too aggressive. Too aggressive. You want it just to be full. What mm-hmm. could I be? You know, one of those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now here's some examples of questions people might be asked during an audit or commands they might be given. What solid could others have others understand? Uh, watching a buddy's dog. That's a good solid, right? That's, a, that's like a solid you could do for a buddy. All right. What wouldn't another mind others communicating with? Ooh, that is, that, you know, it's just. Is that like a Buddhist cone? Uh. <laughs> Am I supposed to? Is it if I answer the question? Am I wrong? Is it one of those where? What can you answer? Ask, ask it again. I'm trying to. What wouldn't another mind others communicating with? What wouldn't what another wouldn't minds you? others communicating with? Uh, <laughs> Jessica Simpson. What is Jessica Simpson? I would not mind if Kissel was talking to Jessica Simpson. Yes, that is. And I would like to speak with Jessica Simpson. My mind wouldn't mind speaking with the other mind of Jessica Simpson. Perfect. And lastly, spot some owned sex. I was good in bed like two months ago one time because I was the perfect ratio of drunk and stoned. I spotted it. Spot some owned sex. I was... I, I was good. There was. I've been good. I've been spot. good in the past. Maybe. Been oh, good. I know. Marriage. 
Wow. That's actually, I think that's the answer. (laughs) Every wedding I've ever been to owned sex. (laughs) Now, people pay anywhere from hundreds to thousands of dollars an hour to be asked these questions and have their reactions interpreted. This still happens today. Those fucking questions are being asked right now in a Scientology center somewhere on this earth. All right, let me just Venmo you. What do I owe you, Marcus? Uh, I believe for this session, $1,500 for those three questions. No. Spots some own sex. It's truly is disgusting. Is that not like is that like human trafficking in Malaysia, I, like from St. Louis? I don't even want to decipher what that nonsense is. And of course, all of the answers that you give in these auditing sessions are meticulously documented and saved. Ooh, so now we know Henry is addicted to alcohol, <laughs> uh, smoking marijuana, and is bad in bed unless he has the perfect dose of both. No, I'm good when I'm connected. You got to look in the eyes. Never leave the eye gaze. <laughs> God. And suddenly, just being clear wasn't good enough. And in 1952, the creation of Scientology proper introduced another level, that of the OT. But I just It's like got- vanilla Coke. <laughs> yeah, it just stinks because someone worked so hard to like they thought they were gonna win the game and then they're like, it's time for more. Well, you got wins, but you don't have enough gains yet. Oh, I see. And they get they take it back, right? Every single time they do this, and they are they're talking about it's like when David Miscavige shows up it, it, later on, we're gonna find out that becomes the new game. Everything gets rewritten yeah. all the time. And, and then right. you gotta pay for it all over again and get cleared again. Yeah, if and, that is the game he sets up right here. Yeah, and Miscavige has introduced new games throughout the years. I think even as uh, early uh, even as late as like 2005, like he keeps introducing new tech. And that's what they right. call it. all of this stuff is uh, when you hear Scientologists yeah. talking about the tech, the technology, they're talking about all of these auditing techniques. They're talking about all of the things that they do in order to reach the level of OT operating Thetan. See, Dianetics only had to do with the body. Scientology has to do with the soul of which Hubbard, quote, had come across incontrovertible, scientifically validated evidence of the existence of. And you cannot argue with me with that because I just wrote that down. <laughs> There's no way to argue with that whatsoever. Can't do it. I wrote it. I know so. you wrote it down. You wrote it on a page, and you're overweight. I, so there's no way. And that's I wrong. printed my own my own certificate for myself uh, to show me that I had done that. Okay. And I put that up on a wall in a frame I made myself from several pieces of wood. I made the frame and the the certificate, and you can't take that away I, from me the, unless you take that from my hands. But then yes. I can come and take it from your hands back, and it's like I did it again. Uh, Mr. Hubbard, there's a line for me at the coffee shop. Please, go. I have scientific, absolute, incontrovertible <laughs> evidence that I have already paid for this coffee. Yes, I you did you actually. Nothing. You know what? I don't I even care if you stuff. pay for it. Do you want a pastry? <laughs> yeah. Go. And besides this scientifically validated evidence, Hubbard had also come across a nasty little legal battle with backer Dom Purcell, whom Hubbard regularly, regularly referred to as, quote, that little flatulence. <laughs> I kind of think that's funny. I have to admit, Elron, I would laugh if I was hanging out with him. I would be. This, this, that's good. So it, it, was, rem- it reminds me of the Red and Stimpy episode when Stimpy had lo- the fart. Oh, him. Yeah. Lost. oh, remember when Stimpy lost his fart? Oh, oh that was sad. So Parsons and Parcel, 
every friend that goes into business with him just once again, they get totally screwed over. Always. Yeah. Always, always. And he still has children, by the way. He's been a deadbeat father, too. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems that since Purcell was responsible for past debts, it was also possible that if Purcell took care of those debts from Elizabeth, New Jersey, he would also end up with the rights to Dianetics. So Scientology was, at this point, essentially Hubbard's backup plan, just in case the Dianetics gravy train was lost. So Hubbard had to come up with something completely new, and he did so with typical sci-fi flair. He literally just did it. He literally just knew that it was all money. He knew that Dianetics was going to get taken out from underneath him, and he wanted also to make sure that Dianetics was worth nothing. Yeah. Because he wanted to make sure that not only that that if he was not going to make money off of it, nobody else was. And so now it's like, well, Dianetics was just kind of the stepping stones. We don't need that anymore. Now we have this fucking, this is the the break-off shuttle part. Mm -hmm. It's like Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. You really don't need Evil Dead. <laughs> Interesting. Evil Dead 2 is a superior movie. I mean, I love it Evil is. Dead, but no, it is Evil a Dead superior movie. Far superior. And, yeah. and it's the same plot. Exactly same movie. Ah. Yeah. Same movie, but with a but budget. She mean to tell me I've been putting fucking useless dollars into Sam Raimi's fucking pocket for Evil Dead 1? Yeah, just watch Evil Dead 2, bro. I'm going to find him in Hollywood. I'm going to pants him out no, the street in front of his family. I love Sam Raimi. God, he's perfect. Now, here's the cosmology of Scientology. In Scientology, the true self of a person is an immortal, omniscient, omnipotent being called a Thetan. Ooh. Thetans had created the universe to amuse themselves, but in the process had lost their superpowers of being immortal, omniscient, and omnipotent. It's like being in the bath and you put a bunch of subs on top of your penis. Like when you're like sitting there and you're like, oh, he's got a hat. No, he's got a beard. Yeah. And then you forget to jerk off. Sure. And you realize your your bath water is just filthy and you're not getting clean. Covered in red. Mm. Now, over trillions of years, Thetans had picked and discarded millions of bodies. Going in one, going out one. Going in one, going out one. But every person was always inhabited by a Thetan. You've got a Thetan. I got one? I got a Thetan. Ooh. Henry's got a Thetan. Ooh. Mine mine is, is fun and sweet yes. and gay as a lark. <laughs> and just, just, all he wants to do is dance and, and to be in movies. Mine's name is Blorb Reynolds. <laughs> and, he, and he can smoke and smoke and smoke, but he doesn't, doesn't get cancer. <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> but all the... Sounds like both your Thetans have problems. You no, you can't you get cancer. <laughs> No. <laughs> now, with the help of Scientology, one could restore their Thetan superpowers and become an operating Thetan, a.k.a. an OT. Oh. Now, this is kind of sort of like you're like if that's the Krang inside of the big men, the right. robot body and then it can take over and do cool shit for you. Yeah. OK. And if you become an OT, you could actually transcend Jesus Christ and Buddha, who were, in Hubbard's words, just a shade above clear. Not that far. I mean, they certainly wore a lot less clothes than I do. <laughs> Sir, I gave you your croissant. What else do you want? Can you I've get out of this coffee shop? This meal. I have scientific <laughs> proof that I've paid for this meal. I'm not even charging you. Just scientific go. proof. Get. And from the moment of its release, people ate this shit 
up. This is Tom, Tom Cruise was talking about being an OT, so he has a he has a, a, a what is it, a thetan well, uh, that has a that has a superpower. I think he's an OT seven. It yeah, goes he, up to OT eight. Yeah, oh, okay. OT because that's the thing is that first you but because originally with Dianetics it was just becoming clear that was just that was the furthest that right. you would go, and then when Scientology was introduced, then you wanted to become an OT. But okay. once you become an OT, there are eight more levels to go. OT1, OT2, OT3, OT4, OT5, and okay. so on and so forth. Okay. And every single level above OT, you start getting more and more information. That's where all the wacky shit like Xenu comes in. That I'm right. sure all of our listeners, you know about Xenu and all the volcanoes and but, all that. But that's cool. That is also a part of what Scientology does is a thing called study tech, which is the idea you learn at the very beginning. They brainwash you into how you're supposed to learn Scientology. This this happens later on. It's, it, it got birthed at their new British home, but it was this idea of there are gradients and, the, and, and MUs, right? Misunderstood words. These are the only two things that are keeping you from getting Scientology. So if you end up in the higher OT levels and you hear the Xenu shit and you're like, oh, I'm not into this at all, it's because you did not properly follow study tech right. and you do not great gradients are like slowly learning bit by bit over time so yeah. he builds us in mm. to slowly roll you up to b- ludicrous bullshit that then you're forced to recognize because you're $125,000 deep and into the program exactly and you would have to admit that you're wrong you have to admit you, that you led your family astray you highly would have to, embarrassing. it's yeah highly embarrassing yeah. indeed <laughs> yeah so again the, it's like you've been on a herald team for five years and yeah. you didn't get a saturday night live audition <laughs> oh, yet. you don't know why i heard they were auditioning you're just spe- your specific type this year too <laughs> Now, the Thetan theory was perfect for a sci-fi writer as Hubbard was given essentially limitless scenarios to play around with and his followers responded by giving him scenarios that were just as fantastic. One pre-clear, completely on his own, said that he had arrived on a planet 74,000 years ago and had battled, quote, black magic operators who were using electronics for nefarious purposes. I think he was just ye- yelling at a black operator for sprint. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm going to I'm going to spin this. This is a different planet. This is what Hubbard said further about that story. He now goes to another planet by spaceship. A deception is accomplished by hypnosis and pleasure implants, rather like opium and their effects, whereby he is deceived into a love affair with a robot decked out as a beautiful red-haired girl. And that's how I like them. If I were to have every robot in the world, I'd put a red wig on all of them. You should see my toaster. Singed hair all over it. But I'll fuck it anyway. So in other words, with the help of Scientology, a person could write themselves into a sci-fi story and completely and totally believe that they had actually lived the life of a space hero in a distant galaxy. Okay, It's a perfect nerd... Religion. This is, uh, as referenced by Henry Zabrowski at our Chaos Magic panel in the Salt Lake City Comic Con, this is John Candy in the movie Delirious. (laughs) He wrote himself into the script and found love, which is, by the way, sexually predatory. (laughs) It's a great idea, though. It's It's a great idea. But you you can't just. That's how you made it work. But yeah, I mean, but he brainwashed a woman technically, wrote wrote all the words for her, and then she fell in love with a huge, huge man. (laughs) Yes. How do you think it works? How do you think I dated my redhead? 
You build a fantasy. Is that what and you're calling your girlfriend late. now? My <laughs> redhead? You're like Billy Crystal yeah. and my giant. This is my redhead. Is that how you introduce her on the red carpet? Yes, yes. It is. See, Harbor- she, I lied to her. That's how she believes. That's how she stays. That's, ex- that's basically what you just said. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why... As I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. 
No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. So Hubbard followed up the rollout of Scientology with the history of man, which he introduced as, quote, a cold-blooded and factual account of your last 60 trillion years. You're welcome. (laughs) In this, he introduced the genetic entity, a.k.a. GE, which was a low-grade soul that occupied your body alongside a thetan. This gave Hubbard yet another thing to get rid of as the lower being GE was chock full of Ingrams. And most people's GE Ingrams had to do with clams. Hear him out. What? <laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, Hear so we got, we got SPs, OGs, GEs. They just sound like car companies. Dude, I mean, it's a, it's LRH. It's it's you know, it's it's all of these acronyms. They what these acronyms do is they just isolate you from the rest of humanity. They make you a Scientologist uh, in language because I yeah. mean, of course, like language is such an important thing to control for a cult leader. Of course. And Scientology was one of the first to really understand that is that if you give someone their own language, then pretty soon they're not going to be able to talk to anybody but a Scientologist. Yes. Well, you're basically in in them a whole new personality you implant that's what J- jason begay who was one of the big actors that had come out against it that's saying scientology that that's what he was saying that's why this is great for actors that's why actors love it because essentially it's like a role you're playing a role and and then also you're getting a whole new system of uh, in a way of thinking that it's a that basically is an us versus them mentality anyway that everybody else is an sp or a wog and you are someone that truly understands how the universe works so you get a sense of superiority you you get your own fun little language. It's great for nerds. Yeah, I guess so. Now about the clams. Now yep. this has got to, this is <laughs> about the clams. Jump. You know what, Marcus? We've been meaning to talk to you about the clams. As a matter of fact, listen, I love clams. Don't get me wrong. I love a chowder. I love a linguine. But this is the, he postulates to use that word that we all started as clams. Mm-hmm. That all, he, and he also postulates that that is proof of evolution that everyone has a clam ge inside of them i got a clam in me you got a clam in you i got a clam in you me. gotta get that clam out i got a gas clam well how the hell do <laughs> i get the clam out of me well okay well i'll tell you please god See, the- <laughs> I, now I, I found it i got a thetan inside of me and there's a clam i guess he's eating it what, what is, is, he, is he having a like a little italian dinner inside of me if you were a clam, you'd be like a gooey duck. Have you ever seen those clams? They're big, long. Oh, those are disgusting. <laughs> you eat the worst food I've ever seen in my life. Anything that th- that struggles to live, I eat. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay, so the biggest bugaboo that a clam has to deal with is the constant conflict between the hinge that wants to open mm-hmm. and the one that wants to close. This could be fixed by imagining a clam on the beach opening and closing its shell rapidly while at the same time mimicking the opening and closing of the shell with your thumb and forefinger. Open, close, open, close, open, close. Mm -hmm. Hubbard said, quote, This gesture would upset large numbers of people. 
I understand why. Because <laughs> then you ask him, like, why are you doing with your hand? Be like, it's like a clam at the beach. I, I'm making a clam. I'm, it's clam hands. I'm making clam hands. <laughs> yeah, I firmly, st- I'm sticking with my idea that this man just belongs in the corner of a dark Wisconsin bar, just slamming curds and getting trash. Be like, yeah, look at my hand. I call it clam. It's kind of fun. Well, You're wait. literally online for the public pool, just running around going, clam hands. <laughs> clam hands. Clam hands. Clam hands. Well, wait, do you hear about the weeper and the boohoo? Yes. <laughs> the, the weeper and the uh, the weeper, also known as the boohoo, were so named because these creatures pumped seawater out of their shells as they breathed. And this was the source of pre-clears who were unable to cry and also the source of a fear of falling as boohoos were often dropped by predatory birds. So what are we even doing here? Is that the, <laughs> like what are you even talking about? It's like even in that first meeting I'd be like weepies and boohoos? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? They sound like salty candies. Well, I mean, that's not and that's not the sound you make when yeah, you're when you're like fall- Willy Wonka yeah. things. Here's a weepy. Here's a boohoo. Why are my pants down, Willie? <laughs> well the, the thing is is that all this stuff like Scientology has been insane and indecipherable from the moment of its inception. All this stuff is totally in, this isn't something that they spring on you. This is Something that you read in preparation to become a Scientologist, but that's so, all a part of the allure. How much money would I have to spend before I hear about the weepy and the boohoos? I think you're about fifteen thousand dollars in at this point. You know what? I'm beginning to think there's something to these weepies and boohoos. <laughs> I'm about fifteen k in debt that tells me that's right. So that's, you have any idea how how many pounds of clams are worth fifteen thousand dollars? That's how I come to me like how many pounds of clams I could buy for just anything. I just rather do that. Oh, and absolutely. Have the clams. Yeah. See, all this is a part of the the allure of Scientology. If someone was already into Dianetics and it gained them positive effects, then of course they wanted to know more. So they'd buy Hubbard's next book and the next and the next. All of these books, these weepies and boohoos, all this shit is available publicly. They're selling these in bookstores. But right. each one was harder to understand than the one before. So in order to understand them, you had to have someone teach you how to understand it. And in order uh, to have someone teach you how to understand it, you, you had to pay more and yeah. more and more money. And you need an institution for them to teach exactly. you in. Honestly, do you think if that you Elrond- do really believe, if you really believe, if you read any one of these books and you truly believe you understand it, you're lying to yourself. You have to be lying because- to yourself. Do you think that Elrond, did he understand the con? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So this is yes. and so he must have been openly like laughing at these individuals. He was. Yes. They were- would talk about it. He and when and when he moved into an apartment before the big move into the gigantic British Scientology Center, like the first one, he was just living with a bunch of people. And he would come out and they said that he was like this really fun guy. He was like a friend of a friend of like some various like section of Scientology. And he'd come and he'd play the ukulele and joke. And he'd make these dirty songs making fun of auditing. Like he would make fun mm. of auditing and make fun of Scientology and do all of this shit. He knew exactly what he was doing. He yeah. he, he thought it was Ugh. funny and they would laugh. They would just laugh all night and then he wouldn't pay them rent and then he just disappeared. Yeah, I, w- I would grab that ukulele out of his hands so fast and just smash it over <laughs> everything. Oh, gotta be so fun. Yeah, there was even one story that a guy told uh, that he was hanging out with L. Ron Hubbard and some guy showed up at their doorstep and offered to pay Hubbard $5,000 for a copy of Excalibur. Remember Excalibur Jeez, yeah. was the book that was supposedly so good that it made people kill themselves. Right. And Hubbard told the guy very solemnly, "No, of course, like it, it's you know it is not for man's eyes. I cannot sell it for any amount of money." Uh, and then Hubbard closed the door and started laughing and looked at his friend and said, "You know, man, someday I got to get around to writing that bullshit." 
Wow. <laughs> Very smart. Never open the box. If Joseph McCarthy taught us one thing, never show the briefcase. It's just full of vodka and porno. And that's all. I think that the whole mind of L. Ron Hubbard was tits and, and whiskey. Yes. Now, as far as, like, Henry, as far as you said, like, the people who tricked themselves into thinking they understood it completely, that would be the nerds, the eggheads. They brushed off all the weird Thetan and Boohoo shit as allegory because he had people there that had, like, master's degrees in biology. You know, mm. he had people that were extremely intelligent, book smart, uh, but were still going along with all it's this shit. It's literally how people read Trump's tweets. But what did <laughs> yeah. he really mean? No, he well, really you- meant that about... <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. He really meant that. Yeah, he's just saying it. Yeah, and there was no way that someone, these smart people, there's no way as intelligent as they were that they could ever be taken in by such nonsense. It can't be that this person is just spouting this bullshit. There has to be some deeper meaning. In Trump's case, he has to be playing 4D chess. Oh my God. Some bullshit like that. I interviewed interviewed, uh, a friend of mine who was a conservative and he literally said he's playing 3D chess. No, 4D chess. No, No, he said 3D chess. Well, interview. he's getting it wrong because it's 40 Oh, it's four, I didn't realize it's 40 chess. I should have corrected him and be like, no, actually, he's so smart. He's 40 yeah. chess. And these people... The couldn't identify chess pieces if he wanted to. Be like, what are yeah. these shitty little statues? Yeah. Like, you just now, which like, one do I stick dumb. up Melania? Just- <laughs> no, leave it alone. Yeah, and so these people, they went further and further and further. They got in deeper and deeper and deeper because no one wants to admit that they've been played for a fool. No one wants to admit that they were wrong. No one wants to admit that this thing that they went all in on is actually complete and total horseshit. It's like, embarrassing. It's like whenever I go to watch the Knicks play at Madison Square Garden, they're down by 50. I'm like, they got a shot. They <laughs> got they, it. They got they it. Got they, it. They, they can still pull this Man. off. Everybody plays fool sometimes. <laughs> That's what happens, bro. And it's written in a song for a reason. It's yeah. like only fools rush in. That's another fucking tight lyric that actually does happen. We used time. to say everyone plays with food. <laughs> Everybody plays with food when ain't hungry. Yeah, that was fun. So within a couple of years, Scientology had started to organically grow small pods all over the world, particularly in England. In 1953, Hubbard took control of a group that had spontaneously appeared in the UK and dubbed it the Hubbard Association of Scientologists International, a.k.a. Hasi. He does do a good job with naming his buildings. He's great at it. Yeah, he's awesome. Now, meanwhile, back in the U.S., Dom Purcell, after enduring legal attack after a legal attack, as well as some mild gang stalking, had given up his fight for Dianetics. And so, with both that and Scientology firmly in his control, Hubbard incorporated the Church of Scientology in California in February 1st, 1954. Was this church tax-exempt? They did not yet. They did not Not get tax-exempt status until the mid to late 90s. And do they still have tax exemption? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah of course they do. Yes. Brilliant. That's why they Good job, exist. government. Yeah, that's why they still exist. Uh, and the the story of how they got tax exemption, that's very well covered in Going Clear. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Going Clear, go and and it, it's, it's just, great. it's just, hur- I mean, it is, uh, they, they, Pretty much Scientology harassed IRS agents. Scientology won tax exemption. How the Russians won World War II. Just mm. keep throwing bodies at them. Just keep throwing bodies, and eventually they will surrender. Mm. 
Now, well, when he showed up in England, they were incredibly weary of this man showing up with this weird cult in this church and all shit. But he showed up as a botanist. And he said when he appeared in England that he was there doing these uh, experiments proving that plants can feel feelings. And that's why they let him in and they were like they covered him as this famous botanist because he said he was a former nuclear engineer right. turned botanist. Yeah. You could just say things back then and people believed you. Yeah, You can you, do it now. No, you can't. <laughs> And they can Google search you. It doesn't matter. We're living in a post-truth world, bro. Well, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not living in a post-resume world. Not yeah. Yet. It's harder than ever know. to lie in a lot of ways. Yeah. So this whole move of incorporating Scientology as a church, it was the perfect move for Hubbard. First of all, being a church, Scientology could take advantage of all the constitutional rights that a religion was owed. Second, religion was big business in post-war America. If you didn't know, under God wasn't added to the Pledge of Allegiance until 1954. And it wasn't until 1956 that In God We Trust was made our country's official motto. The 50s were truly the beginning of the religious clusterfuck that that the United States is today. This is the rise of Billy Graham. This is the rise of the religious right, the evangelicals. All this shit started in the 50s, and L. Ron Hubbard was smart enough to grab a couple of those people that were looking for some meaning in the empty, hollow shell that was 1950s America. Other than Vietnam, which was huge, but oftentimes when when societies have peace and and, uh, and money for the first time, and it's still very new, that's when religions spring up, when there's time to have them. Yeah. I mean, other than Nam, which was obviously Also, this began the rollout of anti-communist thought, right? And the the communists at the time were used to be like an atheistic society. Yeah. So a part of this is psychological warfare happening inside of America to get uh, to start being like, we're on God's side, they're not on God's side, and it allows everybody to join in on the fight against communism and then also leads to the McCarthy era bullshit where then it's okay to rat a bunch of people out because they're not with fucking God and that they are they deserve to be destroyed which is very similar to Scientology wanting to destroy anyone that is an SP and it plays into limited government and those things I follow God's law not man's law and such things exactly Now, furthermore, being a church bolstered Hubbard's persecution complex. His enemies were no longer attacking an idea. They were now attacking a faith, Hmm. which made his counterattacks even more justifiable. And And it also strengthens him. Because yeah, yeah, now it's like, I'm obviously onto something. Everybody that's ever been onto something has been attacked by the government. Jesus, all these people have all been. So now look at it. All of this shit I talked about, they're afraid that we're too close to the truth. And then we will not be governable enough because I'm going to make all y'all OTs. And then we won't be able to listen to everybody because the government will be suppressive people. But didn't the government at some point be like, uh, this is a church. I want to start it. Didn't it be like, what's with these woohoos and boohoos? <laughs> Can you tell me about those? The only woohoos and boohoos I'll allow, I'll allow are the crying that my family does when I leave on my many business trips, quote unquote. <laughs> as far as the attacking went, if Scientology was threatened in any way, Hubbard believed that the only way to defend was to attack. He wrote, If you ever forget that, you will lose every battle that you are engaged in. Make it rough. Rough on attackers all the way. As we see time and time and time again. Yeah. And then that's gonna, that is the first seed for keeping Scientology working, which we'll go into next episode, which is one of the most sinister tenets of Scientology that makes them so aggressive and uh, a rough group. 
and to go against. You yeah. know, Tom Cruise jumping on a couch. It's funny. It's cute. That man destroys lives. Mm-hmm. And he tried to do that to Katie Holmes, but we love Katie Holmes. Absolutely. And, you know, and the reason why uh, Katie Holmes got Surrey out of there, we'll get into here in uh, just a few minutes. Now, by 1956, Hubbard, in an impressively manic sprint, had written more than 60 books on Scientology and was releasing a new one almost every two months, wow. each time introducing new processes and procedures that people had to pay to learn, many times requesting that they had to redo previous courses. So, I, okay, you already paid for this course? Well, actually, I discovered this new thing in my auditing pro in my research. He always says, my research. I discovered something in my research right. that says that, no, wait, what I said before, that actually wasn't right. This is right. Now you have to go back and redo everything else and also pay for it all over again. So you made a mistake in your lecture, and now I have to go back and redo it. Well, it's not, yeah. a, mi- it's not a mistake. I didn't it's make not a mistake. I didn't it's make a mistake. Just, oh, you, but it's it because I like did, you made a mistake. No, 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 it's not a mistake. I did further Further research. research. But what, so what did I learn the first time, Al? Nothing. You learned nothing. I learned nothing. Okay. (laughs) Well, you make a good point. Yeah, and all those courses that people had to take over and over again, Hubbard got a piece of it all. But despite making well over six figures a year in 1950s money, Hubbard still managed to stiff people for rent and bills at every turn, leeching off of his followers. So, it came as quite a surprise when he let his current landlords know that he had bought the Maharaja of Jaipur's estate in Sussex, England, a.k.a. St. Hill Manor, which would serve as the de facto headquarters of Scientology for the next few years. Now, I would say that this is the really the only period of time where L. Ron Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard himself was happy. Yeah. Because he was, Scientology was small, he could completely maintain it, it was in that little manor, people were coming to him, treating him like... Like a god, he was living in this these lavish estates with many workers coming out there. It was this. It was as isolated as he always wanted Scientology to be. Mm-hmm. So, how many people are we talking at this point? Are we in ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand? Couple, honestly, it's like maybe two or three thousand oh, in okay. terms of because you only had three other centers. So you had California, Wichita, which now is gone. Jersey, which is pretty much gone too. So it's like, and then so the, everyone's coming here. Well, and he'd already this- said he'd had some in uh, Arizona. He had some in California. There are some. They're they're dotted all over the landscape. Okay, but as he was getting all that set up, bad news came from across the Atlantic. In 1952, a few years earlier, Hubbard's estranged son from his first marriage, Nibs had shown back up in Hubbard's life wanting to be a part of this whole new Scientology thing. Within just a few short years, Nibs had gained the titles of Hubbard Communications Officer in Charge, Chief Advanced Clinical Course Instructor, and Hubbard Communications Office Worldwide Technical Director. See, it came out that Nibs had, quote-unquote, blown, which was Scientology jargon Mm -hmm. for leaving the church, a.k.a. Blowing the org. Uh, I think also. <laughs> my goodness, it sounds like an interesting sci-fi film where there's women and they're not wearing shirts, and then the guys are all, you know, looking. Fun. It sounds like yeah, like Dune. Yeah, but blowing the orb. Or like the the org, the organization. Oh, the org. Yeah, yeah. blowing the org. Yeah. 
See, it seems like Nibs hadn't gotten any of the financial gain that he figured was coming his way from being the Messiah's son and decided it was time to cut his losses and resign all those positions. See, Hubbard's main concern was not that he was losing his son, but rather that Nibs would try to continue making money using Scientology, which he said he still wanted to practice in his spare time. In response, Hubbard wrote... If he goes to practice anywhere or starts up a squirrel activity, have HCO cancel all certificates and awards of his, he won't ever be hired back. And that gives hmm. you even more jargon that they're throwing in there. Squirrels right. is another big thing. What are squirrels squirrel, again? Squirrels are if someone leaves with Scientology teachings and decides to teach it uh, outside of the Scientology system. Like if people like certain parts of Scientology, which has happened, uh, they go out and they teach them, and they are called squirrels. Right, and then they have the institution, the the, uh, the folks, the squirrel busters, yeah. who sound very yes. fun, but they're not actually arresting <laughs> squirrels uh, it, for selling narcotics. They're uh, stalking people. Yes, and also the idea is that like certificates are, he hands you a clear certificate. If he feels that you've cleared a certain course, you get certificates. And the way he punishes people is by saying, I can rescind them anytime I want, and therefore your soul's in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Now, this, among other things, caused Hubbard's paranoia to increase, and so he introduced security checking, a.k.a. the sec check, for all the people that worked for him. A sec check was essentially an interrogation that used an e-meter. The worst sec checks asked a person dozens of extremely personal and embarrassing questions to not only try to ascertain whether they were a threat to Scientology, but also to obtain incriminating information about the person undergoing it. Right. Here's an example of some of the questions. I'm going to audit you guys again. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. Okay. I feel like I got this one. I don't know. I I don't know if I have this one. Ooh, I'm like, I'm going to be a C org before you know it do you collect sexual objects no oh, i don't know i don't know uh, i you have the fleshlight i know you have the fleshlight marcus he's asking MJP, the question i'm not being i'm not being audited here i'm MJP, not being, i'm auditing you you have sexual. oh objects. he flipped the table can you flip the tables on the auditor yeah htz absolutely not htz cannot flip the audit the tables on the other neither can you bgk no that's my answer next have you ever done anything your mother would be ashamed to find out? I, I, once, I once was at work and um, I had a big thing of Indian food and I was really hungover and I, I shat my pants in the cubicle and then I just threw my underwear out in the, in the bathroom of the <laughs> office and I sat with shit stained khakis on for the rest of the day because I only had three hours left. Well... My mother would be proud of you for staying at work. <laughs> so that's not so bad. Have you ever peddled dope? Uh, no, I can actually say I have never peddled any kind of dope. That's good. Yeah. And my I mother would be proud I've of me for that. I've given weed, but I've never sold weed. Yeah. Do you have any bastards? No. Just my, just my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike L. Ron Hubbard, I don't have any bastards. Are you upset about this security check? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And no, then, no, Kizzle. That's not how you answer. You answer it go, no. <laughs> no. And, and then they get even weirder from there. Here's some more. Have you ever tried to act normal? Every day of my life outside <laughs> of this show and my home. Yeah. Have you ever practiced cannibalism? No. Damn. Unfortunately, because it's very difficult to get human meat. You, you cannot do it. It's, it's illegal. Have you ever had intercourse with a member of your family? 
No. What? What can I? Why are you asking me that? I feel like you've had intercourse with a member of your family. BG gay, BGK, MJP. I'm flipping it. You had sex with your brother. I'm not audited here. I'm not the what? one being audited. The way you formally answered that question, Marcus. <laughs> strange. Have you ever had anything to do with a baby farm? Okay, let me clarify. Is this the beginning farm, or is this a farm of babies? That's a good clarification, because, yeah, I thought it was a farm worked by babies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's another, that's a third option. I don't know, but in, in which case, no, I've never been to a farm where the farmers are indeed babies. I've never seen a bunch of stalks of babies growing on stalks. No. You know what I mean? What question in this check shouldn't I ask you again? The baby farm one. Yeah. Because I don't have any problems understanding what the baby farm is. I don't even know. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with that one. Maybe uh, maybe what would your mother not like about you or disapprove of you? Are you upset about this security check? I'm actually fine with it oh. now. Oh? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's kind of, well, now I'm just thinking about a bunch, a bunch of babies with tractors and you know, stuff it's like kind that. It's kind of fun. It's, it's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> little baby tools. And then it can get flipped around. Oh. Say, if the auditor is the one going through the sec check... That I would be asked these questions. Henry, ask these questions. Have you ever startled a pre-clear when he was on a comm lag? No. Uh, I think you have. Yeah, it seems like you have, the way that you answered that one. No. Have you ever have you ever failed to, to flatten a process when it was still biting? No. I think he did. I, I don't believe you. Have you ever jammed a, plea, a pre-clear into a one-way flow and then left him stuck there in it? Yes. Wow! Isn't that you, just you need to be jerked off until you're ready to, until you're ready to think again? Is that giving someone a swirly? What is that? Yes. No, I can actually explain all these. <laughs> Are you upset by the security check? No. Good. That's the only one I believe. No. So pretty clear when he was in comlag. If we startled, pleaker was in a comlag, which means that when you're asking questions back and forth in a TR session, when you're doing weird clearing questions, you have you you don't answer him back. If you ever failed to flatten a process when it was still binding, it means you did not continue the auditing until you made the needle float. And if you ever jammed the pre-clear into a one-way flow and then left them stuck there, that's when you do stuff being like, "Are you a dog?" No. Say it again. Are you a dog? No. Like you have to like, and then you jam- you leave them there. You don't finish the auditing sequence. Sounds like if you put a fat kid in a sewage drain or something. That doesn't <laughs> have seem I right. have I made any of this clear? No. <laughs> See, and Hubbard's paranoia was so deep that he even created sex checks for children oh. aged six to twelve. And this is why some people say why Katie Holmes left Scientology because at around age six, that's when kids start getting introduced to this, and she's like. Oh, my daughter's not going to go through all that bullshit. Definitely not. Here's some of the examples. What has somebody told you not to tell? My mother is Daddy Katie has- Holmes. <laughs> I can do whatever the hell I want. Do you have a secret? Daddy se- has weed. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a secret? Who have you made guilty? Have you ever been a coward? Have you ever decided, someday when I'm grown up, I'll get even? If so, with whom? Well, Are you upset by this security well, check? I am yeah. six years old. What do you mean, have I ever been a coward? I haven't had enough time to be a coward. Why are you asking me this, elderly man with gray hair? Someday when I'm grown up, I'll get even is like the basis for my entire career. That is the basis for all of our lives. Yeah, that's why we're here right now. Now, the sex check questions even extended to L. Ron Hubbard's wife, Mary Sue, who was by then playing an extensive role in the organization while also becoming one of the most hated people in the organization. People could not stand Mary Sue Hubbard. I believe she it. was a stickler. Yeah, she was. And it wasn't so much of a surprise that one of the questions on the sex check was, 
Have you ever had unkind thoughts about Mary Sue? Oh, well, what do you mean by unkind? What do you mean? You mean like, I mean, like, it's not like I haven't completely pictured like checking her with my car every once in a while. It's kind of like <laughs> the satisfaction I'd get of seeing her roll over the hood and smash into the fucking windshield. I don't think about that like all time. <laughs> I mean, why would these people answer that question honestly? Because of course they wanted to kill Mary Sue. Well, because what it did was because the e-meter did react when you thought thoughts, right? It did have like a little bounce. It makes you to the point, it's thought policing. It's to the point where you can't even think anything outside of it because you won't even dare because you don't want to. It's not even because you feel scared of L. Ron Hubbard or Mary Sue. It's because you're sick of the sec check questions mm-hmm. and you're yeah. sick of constantly having to deal with it. So you're just like, I'm just not even going to think about it anymore so that I can just pass this shit so I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, and that, they talked about that in that uh, My Scientology movie. By the way, Louis Thoreau, I understand he's British. Apparently I said he was French. Whatever. He's Ugh. British. They're the same people. Yeah, uh, Helena Montana. Fuck you. Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> why would you say let, that? Let us make it family. <laughs> let us make it fancy. Good we're Lord. making it fancy. But they were talking about uh, you know the guy that was giving the exam or the guy behind the guy giving the exam, the, the one of the big strong guys, just started punching the guy in the face. He was just like, just answer appropriately and you can leave. You mm-hmm. know, And that's all it was. Yeah. And every single one of these sec check check sheets sec check check sheets oh my God. were sent to the Scientology headquarters in St. Hill where they were carefully and meticulously compiled into dossiers on each and every high level church member and it wasn't just those simple questions like that I mean it was questions like have you ever murdered anyone right. some of these people have murdered someone and they right. would yeah. fr- and they would so they could get through it they would eventually say yes i have murdered someone it's like an open mic comedian just searching for the joke <laughs> <laughs> there was a comedian recently who admitted to a massive crime and was arrested <laughs> not not a smart move so, i think more comedians that we probably know are are guilty of crimes yes hmm, i'm sure yes. so in 1960 hubbard's paranoia would come into conflict with another one of the 20th century's great paranoiacs Richard Nixon. Hubbard issued a bulletin to the U.S. that said that they should do everything in their power to stop the presidency of Nixon. He said, We want clean hands in public office in the United States. Let's begin by doggedly denying Nixon the presidency, no matter what his Secret Service tries to do to us now. So please get busy on it. Also, I think George McGovern has some good ideas. (laughs) I uh, imagine... Can you imagine that the the threesome a woman would have to endure between Richard Nixon and L. Ron Hubbard? Uh, no, like I don't want to imagine that. Taking your clothes off. I don't want to. Yeah, As a matter yeah, of fact, we'll speak yeah. to McGovern. Oh, Tom, Thomas Eagleton could, could have used some Scientology, perhaps. <laughs> could have. So, this, okay. is ni- this is 1960. This oh, is this Kennedy is Nixon. Oh, yeah. okay. This is the Kennedy time. Never mind. Oh, God. If someone could please draw a threesome between Richard Nixon, L. Ron Hubbard, and yeah. Mary Sue Whip. Or just don't. Yeah. If you please don't do that as well. Out of all the... I'm I'm going to come. (laughs) Sounds like he's about to have one. Oh, I'm having one. (laughs) Are you Richard Milhouse Nixon? (laughs) Call me Milhouse. (laughs) Nixon lost in 1960, of course, but it probably didn't have much to do with Hubbard's bulletin. Nevertheless, it helped to further 
had Hubbard's FBI file, which had grown considerably larger since the nutball had founded an official religion. He was already on their radar because he was constantly telling everybody that his organization was full of communists that needed to be rooted out. And then when he started the official religion, the FBI was like, oh, now we really got to keep an eye on this guy. But he wasn't completely antagonistic towards the U.S. Once Kennedy was in office, Hubbard offered the services of Scientology to help train and condition astronauts for the low, low cost of $25 an hour for 250 hours with the possibility of a group discount cash only. Nice. Oh, that's, that's a, a good move. That is a good that's move. A, that's a men's warehouse move. That's, that's a, a liquidation yeah, move. Yeah, that's a steal at any price. Hubbard was so confident that Kennedy would say yes that he took a trip to the Washington Scientology Center to discuss with his staff hey, how they were going to handle the coming flood of astronauts. <laughs> Interesting, but I guess instead of buying it, they just raided the offices? <laughs> yeah, instead of uh, sending astronauts, they sent the FDA oh. to raid the uh, Washington Scientology offices because the FDA had caught wind of this e-meter bullshit and were investigating them for uh, false promises on products. Food and Drug Administration. Food and huh? Drug Administration. Strange astronauts. Bad move on yeah. the part of the government as it resulted in no charges and did nothing more than to bolster and Scientology even further as a government group because now they can point specifically to government persecution. They can say they raided our offices, they know we're onto something, they know that they are evil and we are good, so therefore give us more money because we need to fight the FDA now. Hmm. It just shows you just got to never give in to trolls. You can, ne- you can never give in to these people because they will, they use it. They flip it and they use that negative energy for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, but despite this, Hubbard, on his 52nd birthday, issued a general amnesty to his followers saying, Any and all offenses of any kind before this date, discovered or undiscovered, are fully and completely forgiven. Unless you've eaten the last slice of pizza, and that is a crime that can never go unpunished. They punished them by spankings. Should have robbed that bank yesterday. I didn't didn't realize today was the day that it all didn't matter. This coincided with Hubbard's sudden revelation that he had visited heaven, 43,892,832,611,000 years, 344 days, 10 hours, 20 minutes, and 40 seconds before 10.02 p.m. Daylight Greenwich Mean Time on May 9th, 1963. That is very exact, so you know it's real. It's got to be real. (laughs) Elrond, what was uh, Jesus, was, was he black or white or tall or short or... He was the blackest man I've ever seen, and I absolutely loved him. He was funny. He was smart. He could dance. He could do whatever to... He was a funny, funny man. You know who was a piece of shit, though? Who? Fucking Beethoven. (laughs) Really? Piece of shit. He was bad. I hated. I did not like him. Moliere, gay as a skunk, a one-one, can't can't deal with him. Really? uh, But I tell you, and then uh, Joan of Arc was shorter than I thought and definitely Frencher. Wow. Who knew? (laughs) Gotta be true. See, Hubbard said that heaven was a high place in the mountains of a distant, unnamed planet with beautiful marble columns. Hubbard said, 
The entering grounds are very well kept, absolutely tremendously kept, fabulously, <laughs> fabulous entering grounds. They're laid out like bush gardens in Pasadena. Ooh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> but when Hubbard visited heaven again a trillion years later, 42,893,832,611,177 years ago... Huh. Heaven had fallen on hard times. Just three years later, huh? One year, one yeah. trillion years one year, later. Oh, one, one trillion, trillion years, years. I said 42 trillion, 891 ah. billion, 832 million, 611,177 years ago. I see. The place is shabby. The vegetation gone. Sad. Sad, <laughs> yeah. low energy. The pillars are scruffy. The saints have vanished. So have the angels. It's sad. A disgrace. Absolutely not fabulous, not tremendous. What do you think happened, Elron? Like bad government or o- Obamacare? <laughs> I'm surprised you know what that is. It's a couple, couple. Decades. I'm just saying words. I'm just saying words. Well, years later, Scientologists, understandably a little embarrassed by this bullshit, would try to explain all this away once again as allegory. Hubbard did his best in the same bulletin to say otherwise about his heaven claims. He wrote, This HCO bulletin is based on over a thousand years of research auditing. It is scientific research and is not in any way based upon the mere opinion of the researcher. And by that, I mean opposite of that. And by opposite (laughs) of that, I mean opposite of that. I have scientific documentation to show that I did write the sentences that I have been writing and you are currently reading. I have scientific proof of that. It's the sentences that I'm writing. (laughs) It's an analogy, without a doubt. Now, as the years went by, Hubbard's paranoia only increased. In 1965, Hubbard introduced ethics. Ethics was the first major step towards Scientology becoming a society unto itself with its own rules and methods of punishment. This is the this is the worst. This is the worst part of it. And now this is how we're going to see a Scientology comes completely about the extension of the personality of L. Ron Hubbard. It's about joining you to be a part of him, like your cells of a gigantic organism. And ethics are trying to keep people on the ball and completely loyal to him. And and it's the, it's where Scientology will become the fucking menace that it is today. Mm-hmm. So is it C org as in C organization or C organi- uh, organism? Organization. Okay. Yeah. And anyone within the group of Scientology who is thought to be disloyal, lazy, or breaking the rules of Scientology would be reported to an ethics officer and assigned a condition in proportion to the crimes committed. These conditions vary depending on the infraction. They could be as low as a condition of liability Mm -hmm. in which the offender was made to wear a dirty gray rag tied around his or her left arm. They're also not allowed to wash themselves. And that was like a big thing with with Elrond. We felt that was the ultimate punishment is that you couldn't shower or bathe. That makes sense. But they could be as high as complete excommunication. That would result in a person being declared an SP or suppressive person. So now, if you're excommunicated, do you still get squirrel busted? Because they <laughs> kicked you out. Theoretically, you wanted to stay. You didn't. You didn't blow. Well, they have been. I. I. I think in going clear, one of the guys who blew was squirrel busted. Yeah, yes. yes, he was squirrel busted. But mm-hmm. if they kick you out, do they still haunt you? I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but then, if they, let if me they, back in. Then. If they kick you out, well, you can get back in, but it costs a lot. I gotta read through yeah. all the books. Got, I think one person who got kicked out looked at the cost of getting back in, and it was some like one hundred fifty thousand dollars for called, all the courses. 
Whew. It's called freeloader's debt. Freeloader's debt. It's a thing debt. that you incur, yeah. you incur when you leave voluntarily. You mm -hmm. basically have to come back and pay all the money, especially if you're part of Sea Org, which we'll find out later on, which we'll talk about, is that if you – because then you get training for free if you're in Sea Org, and if you ever leave it, you then have to pay for the money that you owe for the classes that you got to take for free. It's like yeah. when you get kicked out of prison or you – well, they, you leave prison, you still got to pay for the ankle bracelet. <laughs> yes. Also, no, right, Squirrel Busted does sound like uh, – Squirrel Busted does sound like the porn that you would use from the uh, – that King Arthur movie with the hot girl squirrel and the little boy squirrel up in the tree. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Sword in the stone. That's right. Sword in the stone. Yeah. If a person was declared an SP, they would be considered fair game by the church and could be sued and harassed as much as Scientology thought was necessary. People that are fair game, these are the people that are gang stock. It's a terrible practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't, did they have access to like television and things like that? Or was this a ba was this their main pastime? Stalking uh, ex-members? This is their main pastime. Yeah, this is their main thing. And in fact, today, like Scientology members are, it is very, if you are deep in Scientology, it is difficult to get permission to freely explore the internet because oh, really? once the internet came that's when everything started really falling apart uh -huh. for them, as far as okay. membership goes because then people could so easily and now that they've got i mean yeah. everybody in america has the every scientologist has the ability to debunk scientology in their pocket well, at all times that's one now. of the most interesting thing about the internet it has led to huge group organizations that would have previously not uh you know uh, they couldn't solidify themselves Donald Trump, for example, mm -hmm. his his uh, constituency, but it also debunked so much old fake uh, religion. Mm -hmm. Now, these practices of gang stalking, of fair game, all that, they were not lost on the Australian government, who in October 1965 released a 173-page report about Scientology saying, among other things... Scientology is evil. Its techniques evil. It is the most largest organization of unqualified persons engaged in a practice of dangerous techniques which masquerade as mental therapy. <laughs> huh. That's my new Australian. I like that. That is a like, new Australian. Yeah, I've, been, yeah I've been working on one too. Yeah. yeah. Scientology is evil. It's, it's technique's evil. It is the world's largest organization of unqualified persons engaged in the practice of dangerous techniques, which masquerade as mental therapy. This is very good. I feel like I'm talking to two Australian friends. It's like I have new friends. This is so good. Henry and Marcus never come back. I want Australian Henry and Australian Marcus at all times. See, the reason why the Australians were coming at them was because a few years earlier, Hubbard had declared that Australia was to become the world's first clear continent and had begun to lay the groundwork to have his organization spread the country over. But. Now, we're going to learn that that is going to be a, a, a ongoing thread with L. Ron Hubbard. He wants an entire country. Yeah, he right. wants to be completely in charge of a country where no one can tell him he's wrong. No one can check up on his lies. Everybody worships him, and it's a completely isolated community. He's wanted to be a dictator from day one. Sure. That's what all he's ever wanted. And in fact, uh, in, Austra in Australia, when they put out that report, they even pretty much named him as a dictator. They said the tactics the, that he uses are the tactics of a dictator. I mean, he probably could have gotten a state. The Mormons got Utah. <laughs> you know, he could have, he like Montana, he yeah. probably could have just gone back there and led the whole damn place. But to Australia's great credit, the state of Victoria 
outlawed Scientology in December of 1965 and empowered the Attorney General to seize and destroy all Scientology documents and recordings. This caused a ripple effect all the way to England as a few months later, a chairman for the National Association for Mental Health stood up in the House of Commons and asked the Minister of Health to begin an official inquiry into Scientology in Britain. I gotta say... I disagree with the Australians. I mean, I you, was... You gotta I, let people believe what they want to believe. I was pretty conflicted fuck myself. Scientology. Scientology. I know, fuck Scientology, it is a, it but is people a pr- should be allowed to uh, but, practice if they want but to. But that's what you're doing. You are falling into their trap that they are a religion instead well, of being a no, predatory cult. You are They're also, a predatory cult. They are They're, a predatory are, cult. Yeah, that is they true. They are bad. But you also, I mean, Harry Potter. I've seen some fans at Comic-Con look cult-like to me. <laughs> I we want to stop Harry Potter. Fifteen hundred dollars in Harry Potter land. Yeah, I exactly. will say it's <laughs> Yeah, those wands—they're not magic. They're using Wi-Fi. Dollars. Sixty-five dollars for, for each one of those wands. You show up with the wand, Comic-Con. and then of course you have to have the wand because you see everybody else got the wand and they're waving it and shit. And things are like the animatronics are going, and they're like, "It's magic." It's what? technology. <laughs> Now, Hubbard responded to these allegations in Britain by hiring private detectives to dig up dirt on all the officials coming at him, but the detectives turned right around and sold the stories to the press, creating even more bad publicity. And this is all in addition to the heat Hubbard was feeling back home in the U.S. from the FBI. The idea on how to escape persecution came to Hubbard slowly but surely. It started with one simple question to one of his higher-ups. Do you realize that 75% of the Earth's surface is completely free from the control of any government? Have you read or seen the film The Little Mermaid? (laughs) Mm, Ooh, we're going to the sea. (laughs) And that's where we will pick up next time on the conclusion of the saga of L. Ron Hubbard. (laughs) (laughs) Commodore coming through. Wow, the sea orgs. Yeah, man, that Very love cool. boat is not fun. It is not as sexy as no. the real love boat. I'm sure it's not. All right, great. L. Ron Hubbard, part three in the books. Wow. Brain can be cleared now, Marcus, of Dang. that information. Fucking finally. And there you go. You look better already. Uh, I, I have been carrying Scientology around in my brain but so for the last week. Henry, the thing is you can actually pretend like you are a Scientologist to get work now until, of course, I'm they trying. Google you. and But just do that. Why not? Flip it. Who cares? Yeah. Can you see this? Can you see these SPs behind me? I just find out the guy. It's whoever is standing in audition just staring forward, yeah, like yeah. screaming at his sides, being like, stand up, sides. Sit down in the chair, sides. That's good. Stand up. Thank you. And Thank just, you. Yeah, just constantly being like, I'm eating for two, you know, me and my Theton. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And be like, I'm a 40. Uh, no, I'm only 35, but you know, I'm a 40. You I mean, I'm, I'm in not the- gay anymore. I'm not gay anymore. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, that's it for this episode we'll be back on the next one uh, thanks yes. to everyone as always uh, for coming out to our last live show in Salt Lake City oh, Salt Lake City God. was fucking amazing Dude, thank you awesome. to everybody at Fanex who brought us out there thanks to everyone at Urban Lounge who came out and saw us you guys are fucking amazing and if you uh, have not seen us yet and you want to see us live go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live to see all of the upcoming dates yep. uh, and if you want uh, advanced ticket sales for any shows that come up in the future because all these shows that we're doing are selling out you can join our patreon at patreon.com slash last podcast on the left for only a dollar you get advanced ticket sales to every single upcoming show yep. of course there are uh, rewards with each and every 
level after that. But you only like give a, to us. Are we Scientology? I was about to say are only give to us. Money means only... nothing. Money is not anything. <laughs> Just give us our money. Let us handle your money for you. Money means nothing. We will teach you nothing. Only give if you feel like you. Uh, <laughs> only give if you feel like you uh, believe we uh, deserve something. Uh, and, and we are of adding course, three new steps to our Patreon stuff. page. Yeah, and you also you get stuff with with each level. So thank you to everybody yes. uh, who's given so far. And uh, I, we're very, very, very much appreciated. I gotta say, the the people of Utah drank a lot more than I expected, Woo! and I really did appreciate the one ounce pours because uh, you know listeners buy you shots and stuff, and oftentimes in Chicago, for example, or Salt Lake or St. Louis, it's a full pint of whiskey. Mm, they call it yes. a shot, but in Utah, it was actually one shot, and it made the whole night better. Totally. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming out, and thanks so much for supporting all the shows here on CCR. We got some new Abel against Top Hat shirts. We got some new Last Podcast on the Left shirts, yeah. which are awesome. And uh, thanks for listening to yeah, Top Hat, Roundtable, Page 7, Sex and Other Human Activities, uh, Wizard and the Bruiser. Movie Sign with the Mads. Uh, yes, Movie Signs with the, uh, yeah. with the Mads. All the shows here on CCR are doing so great, and it's all because of you. And you, you guys are really uh, the best fans we could ever imagine. Yeah, and Noel, Shane, and Danielle, and Salt Lake City, you guys showed us a really great time. And thank you so much. Um, hail Satan. Follow us all on uh, at, at Twitter. Me, I'm at Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel, uh, on Instagram, at Ben Kissel One, at Marcus Parks, at, at uh, Dr. Fantasty. And follow Last Podcast and Left on all of them at LP on the Left. And follow me on uh, Spotify. There it is. Um, all right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail me. Hail Gein. Woo, got through this one. Magustalations. <laughs> Magustalations. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for donating to our Patreon. Obviously, again, you guys know how much it means to us. Um, you guys made this whole thing possible, and mm-hmm. uh, we love you so much for it. And thanks for supporting the show, listening to the content, and being the most amazing fans of all time. We can't wait to see you all at live shows soon. It's uh, going to be good. It's going to be better than good. It's going to be fine. It's gonna be, it'll, be, it'll be good with four O's. <laughs> oh. oh. Well, hail Satan, everyone. Thank you for your money. Hail yourselves. Hail Gein. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.